The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Today is the last day to take advantage of our trade deadline sale. The trade deadline keeps providing a lot of opportunities for content, so we've kept the sale going for one more day. Dunkdon.supportingcast.fm, that's where you can sign up. It is the last opportunity to get that discounted subscription, and you'll get our continuing trade deadline coverage. You'll get our stretch run coverage. You'll get five episodes a week from Nate and Danny. You'll get a Hollinger and Duncan episode basically every week. You're going to get uh, the Daily Dunk, Seth Partnow's analysis, Discord access, a lot of great content. This is the last chance to get it at the discounted trade deadline sale dunkdon.supportingcast.fm dunkdon.supportingcast.fm all right welcome to a sunday night edition of the pod here got a lot of news to catch up on john and i recorded a, a special edition earlier today if you haven't listened to that we had so many trade deadline thoughts that we just couldn't get through all of them in our first hour and a half of recording time so we did another hour and a half this morning I recommend that y'all check that out and uh i am coming to you from winnemucca it's either winnemucca or winnemucca i think it's muca but i've never actually heard it said i've just seen it on the signs on the highway uh on my way to montana uh who won the super bowl by the way danny <laughs> The Kansas City Chiefs did. It's a good game. Yeah, it was a very good game. It looked like Philly was going to have control at halftime. Mahomes looked like he re-injured his high ankle sprain, and then they came back and won. Nice. Yeah, I stopped for some pizza, and I saw like one play where the guy like caught the ball, and then it was it got returned for a touchdown. Uh, it was a fumble, and it was returned for a touchdown. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's clearly a catch. And like now, apparently, that's not a catch anymore. I haven't watched football in a long time. So uh, I'll tell you what, Super Bowl Sunday, great day to drive. Made great time, great time. Uh, but uh, some news has piled up. We've been so focused on the trade deadline, we haven't had the chance to get to all of that yet. But let's get first to the trade that was and then wasn't and now is again. Correct. And so that eventually evolved into a four-team trade where the Golden State, the, the central parts of it, the Golden State Warriors sent James Wiseman to Detroit, the Pistons sent Sadiq Bay to Atlanta, and then the the Blazers sent Gary Payton II to the Warriors. And there are, of course, other pieces involved. We talked about that trade when it happened, and you, of course, talked about it with John. We got the reporting from Anthony Slater and Shams Trani originally that there were complications with Gary Payton's physical. You and John already kind of went through most of this, but the up, the addendum to the, to the story is that the Warriors did go through with the trade. It does seem like they want some sort of league investigation into how the Trailblazers handled this, but of course, that is not something that can be resolved any time soon so instead they will do the trade for now and that 
that makes sense for the, for the parties. I'm sure the Warriors aren't thrilled about how it happened. And then one notable thing about that is while you can modify trades, if the window, like for example, there was one involving Isaiah Thomas years ago, or are there various in the past that ended up being modified by a physical, but because of the way the NBA handles the trade deadline, it is the end of negotiations. So it was an all or nothing proposition for Golden State. Now, they did wait until really the buzzer on this, uh, which was uh, this evening, to approve everything. And supposedly a part of the delay was they wanted to essentially reserve their right to seek compensation from the Blazers, even if they allowed the trade to go through. And I, the whole idea of the physical is that you're allowed to get a look at the guy, and then you can fail him and the trade doesn't go through. The league would say, well, if you, this whole trade deadline thing, well, just get your deal in earlier. Like you can make trades basically all season if you want to. But of course, that's not realistic. John and I talked about much more of the mechanics of that. But I, I'm unaware of any instance where the issue was discovered in the physical. They agreed nonetheless to let the trade go through. And then still uh, were able to get recourse after that. So it, it sounds like they'll ha- have the ability to do that. The circumstances previously where stuff was discovered, like the Jeff Green Hart thing or the Drew Holiday shin thing, that was where it wasn't necessarily discovered in the initial physical by the acquiring team, but the previous team knew or should have known about it and didn't tell them. This is a, So this is a separate situation from that. Nonetheless, they really had no choice but to go through with with it regardless in the end if your choice is deal or no deal they would rather and and they have to decide either have james wiseman on their team for the rest of the year pay the associated luxury tax still have him during the summer when you have to move him again surely uh, for tax avoidance reasons uh, as well or to just be rid of Wiseman I mean I really honestly think it's probably more about being rid of Wiseman from a financial standpoint and hey if Gary Payton the second can come back and maybe he'll give us something in the playoffs or towards the end of the season like sure they really could have used him before then but apparently he's going to miss time now Uh, it's very interesting too of like is he going to like will they bring him back sooner than this three months that was uh, reported I guess Bob Myers will have like the official statement on the matter tomorrow there was also the back and forth first there's a, a report from the bay area people at the athletic that peyton had been getting toradol injections to play now that was pushed back on it's actually oral toradol which again i i'm not that familiar with toradol i think like with toradol you when it's injected it's you know it's it still is an NSAID it's basically really powerful concentrated ibuprofen for what I understand but the reason it was like deemed to be kind of dangerous is when you administer it locally it does really reduce pain in that area and then you know you can go out and play like in the NFL and then you don't feel anything but you're like just hurting yourself worse <laughs> over the course of the game um you know but it's not necessarily just a straight up uh numbing painkiller and then oral tort I guess that's like I mean is that just like really strong ibuprofen at that point like I, I so i'm not sure just how egregious this all is in the end and perhaps especially given like the how this negotiation went down and how everything was under the gun time wise maybe if they had been told that 
as they were getting close to the trade, they would have looked into it more, looked into his medical stuff more before they agreed to it. They didn't do that. Then they discovered this on physical. I don't know. This is this is a very thorny situation. We don't know all of the details on it. But in the end, Danny, I, I mean, to me, and I don't know if you agree, given the situation they were in, the only choice was to just let the deal go through. There wasn't really a good other option. I think that's a that's a completely fair point. And when you consider not only the savings and there wasn't a way to modify it, it's not like they could be like, oh, well, we're actually going to take Sadiq Bay or something like that. These these were the two. And yeah. one just contextual note I'll make about Aaron Goodwin, Gary Payton, the second's <laughs> agent talking about this is that I'm not saying this was a factor at all in the statement that Goodwin chose to make, but his most prominent active NBA client is Damian Lillard. And Lillard, of course, has not only a strong but a currently existing relationship with the portland trailblazers and so i could imagine goodwin being in a complicated situation when it comes to that yeah and also we should add too that josh hart with the stuff that was in the news he was very complimentary of the blazers organization on the other hand like jason quick wrote this piece saying how everyone seems so glad to get away from the blazers he cited a larry nance and cj mccollum social media exchange in which they were touting the anniversary of being traded and how awesome it was and well you know i i, I mean i yeah of course you're gonna say you're happy to be where you are now like that's just how this works i don't know how much evidence that is of anything but maybe quick was told that behind the scenes who knows i, th- I thought he was a little harsh on the blazers overall for their uh, trade deadline what he deemed to be uh, in action but let's turn then to new orleans because they got some really, really bad news today. Yeah, in, very dispiriting from, I believe it came originally from David Griffin himself, that Zion Williamson re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and he'll be out at least multiple weeks after the All-Star game. We do not have a formal timeline yet. We haven't really gotten anything more specific. And that, you know, the, the Pelicans have had some better stretches, but that means we're not going to see them whole for quite some time. And after this somewhat recent swoon, like their place within the West hierarchy is significantly diminished for this year. It's always something with these guys. I mean, everyone was like, oh man, the Pels, they got it figured out. David Griffin, executive of the year, and I, you know, they've had some injury issues. Like, that's not his fault. But when I went Pels under, I mean, and I'm not gleeful about this because they were playing incredibly well. And I, Zion is one of my favorite places to, uh, players to watch. So I, was glad to be wrong about the Pels but I also was like it's always something it's always some injury there's always something with them and first it's Brandon Ingram and these reports that there's frustration from him he's been inconsistent since returning from this toe issue CJ is not having the year I think they wanted him to overall and now Zion who was the guy who was really pushing them he hurt this in his ramp up process playing three on three and it sounds like basically this is going to be back to square one for him and that's usually what happens on these hamstring re-injuries a lot of times it, when you get the hamstring re-injury that means you're out even longer than the initial one and so uh, I mean hopefully he doesn't lose all of the progress that he made and this was a very long-term hamstring injury to begin with it was January 2nd and as soon as it happened it was like basically pretty clear he was going to be out until the all-star break and it seems like if he was playing three on three we don't know exactly when this happened maybe it was before the deadline and that might explain why they weren't more aggressive at the deadline maybe it was in the last couple of days and we'll get some more clarity on that but yeah this is a huge bummer especially for a team that has never been whole they haven't had cj 
Ingram and Zion together hardly at all. Uh, and this is a team that has a lot of disparate pieces. Uh, Willie Green needs to figure out what lineups are going to work. And then there's still the possibility of further re-injury from Zion. So this is, I mean, this feels like you know, multiple weeks after the All-Star game. Like when they say multiple weeks, that generally doesn't mean two. And this is also the GM saying this. So I, I now maybe he's just trying to slow play the injury as much as possible Zion could be kind of prickly about coming back from these things as well and what the messaging is so I don't, I don't but in the past they were always too optimistic about Zion did they, are they doing that again or have they learned from that to now be more pessimistic about things I mean it seems like the previous timeline for him if he's playing the three on three was relatively in line so he's supposed to be reevaluated in a little bit but uh that's this is not good like I I mean I think I'm pretty close to saying that this is it for the Pels as far as like being able to make any noise this year in the playoffs. It definitely makes it a lot harder for them to have a strong seed, which it was looking like at one point they were top three. And then now the like, like they they're looking like they're the like morass. a lock. They're looking like they're like a lock for top three. And people were talking about right. like that. And so now it becomes a question of where do they fit in with that? And right now they're still well ahead of the Lakers. But I mean, that the the swap is looking less valuable. And, and really, all that matters for the Pelicans is just what pick you end up with. But all, all that stuff. And of course, the more important part is how they look on the floor. And it's going to be a while for that. So I, I hope we get to see Zion back full strength well before the playoffs. I hope we get to see this group. But I'm I'm more skeptical. I'm more disappointed than I was before. Uh, and quickly for the Pels, like 538 is projecting them for 42 wins right now. I'm not sure whether they've priced in the Zion absence yet. 59% chance of the playoffs, basically kind of right in line with all these other teams. Uh, you know, I mean, I think as we look at it here, you've probably got Jazz, Spurs, Rockets are out of it. Even the Thunder, though, are only projected for 37 wins. I mean, we'll see what their level of commitment is. They keep winning games, including over the Lakers the other day. Uh, the Blazers will still be trying. The Lakers will still be trying. Like, everyone's still going to be trying. Uh, so there's, there's, it's going to be a battle even just to get into the play-in, it looks like. And for the Pels, I mean, they played, if memory serves, like about 500 ball when they had Ingram and CJ available, maybe a little over 500 ball last year. And so, but I don't think Brandon Ingram looks as good as he did. I don't think CJ looks as good as he did right now. And they've got some other guys that maybe more depth. They picked up Josh Richardson as well. I think without Zion, like his acquisition maybe becomes a little bit more important as far as just giving them additional depth, being able to push someone like Herb Jones more to the fore. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like and that maybe if Zion comes back with a month and a half to go in the season I, I mean March seems probably optimistic frankly at this point for him so like March beginning of March so comes back with a month left in the season and then they could go on a little bit of a run but of course he'll be on a minutes limit he won't play that he won't play back to back just to ramp up like it'll be like he generally when he first comes back from these things he doesn't look like himself like he's somebody who takes you know five ten games that was even the case at the start of this year to get working so yeah I mean it seems like the Pels are just there's all right Zion comes back they can start playing the way they're playing before you know six seven net rating like they can get firmly into the top six it just doesn't seem to be in the cards at this point 
we can move to the uh, to the buyout market. And just as a piece of context here, the way that buyouts work, because it's every year, but people forget this, is that the most important date for buyouts is actually March 1st. So that's a while from now, because the reason why March 1st matters is that's the last day that a player can be waived. And then should they clear waivers, they can sign with a different team and be playoff eligible. And remember, that's on the day they are waived, not on the day they are signed. They could sign the day of the play. They could sign, they could sign the day of the playoffs. That'd be fine. But you obviously like to see these get done ahead of time as the players, you secure the money and buyouts and all that. And so we have a couple that are already that are already done. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. And things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium slub crew tee, the no BS high rise pant, the 
slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us Reggie Jackson negotiated a buyout with Charlotte. Not a huge surprise after that trade. And he is signing with the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, what do you make of that? That's... It's very interesting, and I think uh, it may not be a surprise given just his mentality that he picked the team that has kind of been Clippers kryptonite the last few years, but what do you make of his fit in Denver overall? My first thought was, oh, that's why they sold so low in Bones Highland. Maybe there was some sort of understanding that they could get a at least for at least an interim replacement at actually a lower financial cost because they got bone they traded Bones into a trade exception. I think that as a as a complimentary player, someone that you're not leaning on heavily ideally jamal murray will be back soon from the he's missed four straight with this right knee inflammation um that you won't need that much reggie jackson but having some of it i think it could be very useful for them yeah i like his fit just because he can shoot at the point guard position he's got some drive game again with a lot of these buyout guys danny green is another one he's signed with the Cavs. we'll talk about that much of what they do is theoretical at this point if they were that good still they would just be on the team that they're on so you're always taking a flyer on these guys and the nuggets though they really have a need at his position i think he's a good flyer i think he can give them you know above replacement level backup point guard play and i think part of why the clippers moved on from him and and basically moved him for eric gordon instead was or actually he got traded for Plumley, excuse me which uh you know we'll see whether that works out in the clippers favor or or not i kind of actually still think reggie jackson is better than Plumley, but in any event reggie just uh, uh, the hope is that when he gets into a smaller role when he's fed spot outs we've seen a lot of guys go to denver and have very good shooting season like kcp is a perfect example of that even aaron gordon is shooting well even though it's on lower volume so reggie like he can get his shot off pretty well he's got more size he's just not he's not a great defender but he also just isn't like a walking target or maybe half of one given his stature that bones highland was and so i think as far as like who would realistically avail- be available in the buyout market, you compare Reggie to, say, a John Wall or Russell Westbrook, he's just a much better fit with the team like Denver because he's probably going to be playing um, almost all of his minutes will come either next to Jamal Murray or next to Nikola Jokic in the playoffs if he looks like he's ready for that. And so he can shoot reasonably well. He can attack a closeout. Uh, and I think particularly if he's not playing that many minutes, uh, maybe he can ramp up a little bit. And just his catch and shoot numbers are pretty good. He, he just uh, had to take too many shots off the dribble these last couple of years and uh, i think this is it i think he's got a pretty damn good chance of being the most impactful buyout guy in part because the team that he's on is projects to be pretty impactful themselves they do and so we'll we'll see where reggie jackson where things end up he is the only one of the four la originally point guards who has his buyout is both finalized and he has chosen a new team patrick beverly's buyout is done but we don't have his next team john wall's buyout i think is done but we don't have his next team. yeah we'll, then, we'll see i mean some of these are we should probably distinguish just between guys who are getting waived and guys who are getting bought out like bought out means sure. they actually gave back money waived means that they just 
got waived. I, I think some of these guys just got waived. Um, right, like Stan, Sir, Stanley Sir Johnson. Chibaka. Stanley Johnson just got waived. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, so. We'll see what ends up happening. Usually, guys will only give money back if they already have their next team. So uh, we know, and we haven't heard anything about Dario Saric getting bought out. I was, I was talking with John today that it, it, the more I think about it, it just kind of makes more sense for OKC to hold on to him. I think they're keeping him. I yeah. think they. I think they traded for Saric to keep Saric for this year at least. Yeah, and tr- maybe they'll bring him into that uh, backup center role that he played in Phoenix. Like he could be an interesting guy there. It's someone they could even look to re-sign potentially with bird rights, depending on uh, what they do with the potential cap space this offseason. But Danny Green is signing in Cleveland. He, of course, uh, was bought out by Team Buyout. Can we just, for fun, Danny, <laughs> I want to just see if we can grab it here. If we, I think Dan has it all updated now. Uh, yeah, so... Here's here are the the buyout numbers on the Houston Rockets. It is a total. We're projecting John Wall got his whole amount bought out. It is a total of seventy two million dollars in dead money right now on the Rockets books, and the total amount of live money. Oh no, I'm sorry, eighty two million dollars. Now that Green has been bought out, we don't have, we hadn't updated for that yet. For now that Danny Green's bought, out. so eighty two million dollars. Their highest remaining salary yeah, it's actually live right now is Jalen Green at 9.4. Uh, everyone else is below that. So their total amount of live money is $54 million. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so let me. how many of the dead salary guys on the Rockets books can you name? John Wall twice. Yes. Danny Green. Yep. Boban Marjanovic. Yep. Oh, because they waived some fully guaranteed guy. Are they waived? Oh, oh, they did. The the remember the most depressing trade in NBA history. Yeah. The, in the preseason, the the OKC trade, where like I think literally everyone in that deal got waived. No except, one, no one made the regular season roster on their team. That's uh, it might, yeah, might, maybe uh, no. Boban came from the Mavs, so no. Right, that was a different deal. Yeah, that was it. But some of those guys from the Mavs ended up in OKC. Marquise Chris. Uh no, I think that was maybe a couple years ago. Might have been. <laughs> you can you can name some now. I'm I'm good. Uh, well, I mean, I mean I'm looking at it. Derek Favors was a good pull. Think of uh who got traded to them from the Thunder. Guys are on the Thunder last year. Oh god. One it was one guy's uh f- fully guaranteed fourth year of oh, rookie scale deal. Ty Jerome. Yes, Ty Jerome. Good. Another um, guy from the Thunder. He now plays for the Charlotte Hornets. Tail. Yes, Tail Maladon. Very good. And, and then, so you already said favors. This yeah. guy, this guy played primarily, he, he started last season with the Sacramento Kings. Last season being 21-22. I don't have it. Mo Harkless. Oh, wow. <laughs> 4.6 4. million dollars. And I honestly, I'm not sure I can remember how he got there. Oh, Hawks, I believe. Hawks. Let me, let me look it up. I believe it was a... No, that is incorrect. He no. Did he get sent to the Hawks in the Herder deal, and then the Hawks dumped him? Is that what happened to OKC? And then he got moved again. So he was traded by the Hawks for Vic to for Vit Creechy. So he was so Mo, Mo Harkless was traded three times. He was he was traded three times in the twenty two offseason. He was traded. He was in the Holiday Herder trade. Then right, he, okay. they dumped him to OKC like two months later, and then OKC sent him because they could they could do the um, it wasn't an aggregation thing they sent him in the pile of your pile for to, for my pile wow and yeah, and marquis was... chris well, was in that trade but he was waived by the thunder not by the rockets 
Oh, yes. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> uh, but hey, I mean, that move did get the Thunder, the $10 million trade exception that they just used to take on Darius Sharch. So it's, it wasn't all. And they picked up another second uh, in the, to take in Sharch and, and give base to the Suns. Wow. Didn't think we were headed here, but <laughs> this Rockets team incredible i mean that's just i mean we'll just say that counts for their next 15 and 60 segment okay what else we got here but beyond um, buyouts danny, danny green signing with the Cavs. yeah 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 okay yeah we're not done with that yet so that's that's notable yeah. um uh, I, well for, for financially for a couple of reasons first of all they uh, part of why i think they were able to win the bid was number one that they have an obvious hole there and he could play but number two they actually gave him two million dollars and that's compared to the prorated minimum that's like 1.5 million more i think than he well is that right if it was a veterans minimum maybe not uh and i'm not sure how that works with the offset compared to but he got straight two million dollars not prorated from the remainder of cleveland's mid-level and they have enough room out of the tax to do that still so that was and, and cleveland signed ricky rubio with the what was the tax mid-level but they aren't in danger of the hard cap so they actually had more left like they signed rubio the tax mid-level so they wouldn't be hard cap but now they feel comfortable hard capping themselves uh with at this late stage in the season by signing danny green but what do you make of his chances of contributing there it's a flyer the idea being that if green you know coming back from this acl injury that he can that he can defend competently defend wings ideally he's not really a point of attack guy at this juncture in his career and hopefully hit enough shots and danny green going back to where his professional career started is a little bit exciting so i think he can help and if green isn't looking like that guy especially defensively then they'll try some of their other options yeah, and I think he's not a stopper, obviously, at this point. I mean, he still has good instincts. He can rebound. I mean, we'll just have to see where he is as far as hitting shots and whether he has, like, any athleticism yet to do some of the team defense stuff uh, that he did before. But, yeah, and, and I think he's just – and they've got, you know, Robin Lopez. They've got Kevin Love. Uh, they've got Rubio. So they, they didn't really need the whole, like, veteran leadership thing as much. But he's always been talked about as a great teammate. And also, interestingly, since they gave him, like, the $2 million, like, like maybe they can i guess it wouldn't really be substantially more than the veterans minimum to like use bird rights on him next year um okay what do we got next here i'll just mention that terrence ross is also signing he so he got a buyout with the magic a guy who got bought out by his current team you know this wasn't a trade or anything like that and terrence ross is going to sign with the phoenix suns i think this is more the idea of him ross isn't good enough defensively to really be a high level player in a playoff rotation and frustratingly i i think the suns could use talent at a lot of different positions and roles but ross doesn't really do anything differently than some of the other guys they have well he defends differently worse <laughs> in his case but yeah i i made that point with john too i i don't really have anything to add it's just these uh, i mean now they didn't have the scratch i don't think to get danny green i mean this is maybe we'll see that it just but like i would rather get like stanley johnson than him but the, the suns still have a, a roster spots available i think a roster spot available and uh, so they, they may not be done but this kind of they, they really liked these shooting guards who can't defend like they, they really seem to for some and, reason and, james jones has an affinity for shooting guards who aren't good on defense well small forwards in his case but sure or or power forwards by the end swing I, let's say swing men yeah yeah 
Uh, I mean, and it's too bad for the Suns that they couldn't get Rich Jackson. Like, that's one where I think they could have offered him a bigger role than, particularly in the regular season, than Denver could have. I think, actually, if I were Reggie, just for my own future market value, I might have gone to the Suns. But perhaps the Suns uh, were not interested. But I think Reggie can give them as much as campaign, particularly because campaign is such an injury risk, and he's at least got, like, a little more size. What's next? Fortunately, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that long-term of an injury, but the Celtics are going to be without Jalen Brown. He has a facial fracture. Uh, he's going to be, it looks like it'll be about another week from now um, getting fitted for a mask. And so we do still don't know if Brown's going to be available for all-star and all that, but the Celtics, you know, they're, they'll, they'll probably keep on humming. They got a win on Super Bowl Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies. They won by 10. For Charlotte, uh, Mike Scotto in one of his uh, must-read notes columns, Oops, sorry, bumped the microphone, noted that uh, Charlotte does have an intention to re-sign Miles Bridges this summer. It seems like, at least in the initial trial balloon that was floated, that it was just too much of a backlash and they couldn't do it. But, I mean, you know, it's not like they've renounced his rights, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it, it's not like they've they've pulled his qualifying offer and they're, they're going to allow him to sign with any team. So, uh, I, I think uh, I still expect that to come to a head this offseason. And this is an interesting one Danny in Dallas right so Tyrell Terry announced his retirement from basketball uh, I think it was about a month ago and Dallas Bobby Marks is the one who I first saw with this Dallas applied for a career-ending injury exclusion for Tyrell Terry and got that approved by the NBA and so Terry only was on Dallas's books for 1.8 million but because they're well into the tax at the time, that reduced their tax bill from 60.4 million to 53.7. I don't have the final numbers on that because that reporting came out before the Kyrie Irving trade and all the other stuff they've done. Yeah, well, if anything, it'll be bigger savings now because they're further into the tax Correct. after the Irving deal. But yeah, Terry signed a fully guaranteed, I believe, three-year deal when he was drafted, number 31 overall, and they waived him after one year. Both he, he and Tyler Bay, they've drafted guys 31 and 36, and neither was on the team. And of course, it came out that Terry was uh, had these struggles and ended up retiring. And, and one of the things that the new CBA has had is, is this provisions for actually it might have even been post tv that there are agreements on these new provisions for mental health and so that's allowed this to be considered a career ending injury obviously a neutral doctor has approved that so they mark cuban can save a little scratch a little troubling that in Denver, Jamal Murray, right knee inflammation has missed four straight. Did he end up? Oh, no, it's tomorrow. So, yeah, he's questionable to play against Miami on Monday. This has reached the, hey, just keep him out before the All-Star break thing, particularly for a wear and tear sort of injury in Denver, continuing to win. They lost against the Magic, but they beat Charlotte. Uh, without Aaron Gordon, who had a left rib contusion, he likewise is questionable against Miami for Monday. And Catavius Colbus will another sprained. Oh, this is a while ago, actually. I think that he sprained his ankle. So, yeah, he's back already. I believe so. And... Well, we can go. I think yeah. that's all for the for Denver. We can go to a former Nugget, Jeremy Grant, and Jeremy Grant has been dealing with a concussion. Thankfully, he will return on Monday. But he also notably changed agents, signed with Clutch Sports, and Jeremy Grant pending unrestricted free agent. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, like with. 
Fred Van Vliet as well, both signed with Clutch going into free agency. And yeah, I think it's a misnomer though. Clutch that means he's going to like try some power play or go play with LeBron. I mean, I think those are those are tropes. I mean, obviously you got to be a little more aware of that stuff. But I think it's again, it's a it's not necessarily an indicator like oh Clutch like they're so hardcore. It's more just hey they are this player obviously wasn't satisfied with the extension offers that are available they also have in common that both of them were dissatisfied with the maximum possible extension that could be offered by their incumbent teams but i think it's more just like i said to john you don't change agents because you're satisfied and and you want to just take less <laughs> like that's that's not uh, the order of things so it seems like it both of those players if they're going into this offseason trying to get paid the maximum amount you never want to be happy want to be in that position as the incumbent team because that either means you have to outbid everybody else and maybe with the fifth year or you're gonna lose a guy one other warriors piece of news uh ryan rollins who they drafted in the second round has a jones fracture he is undergoing surgery so he will miss the remainder of the season we don't know his availability beyond that for the pacers daniel tice has had you know missed the whole start of the season he is now back um he had put, he's been playing for about a week now but but good to see him on the floor and then lebron james we of course talked about when he broke kareem abdul jabbar's all-time scoring record he now has not played since then i believe i've seen both left foot and left ankle soreness as a potential reason for that and james is listed as questionable for their game monday and notable beyond the absence there is that he was listed as questionable for the other two games and then didn't play yeah, and there's no reason to not list him as questionable. You want the the other team to have to struggle to prepare a, a little bit. But this is another one where it kind of feels like you should leave him out uh, through the All-Star break, except they actually need to fucking win these games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and particularly against a, a team like Portland. Now, they did get a nice win, which we'll talk about later against Golden State. We were at that game last night. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. 
this is one that came through. It's kind of got lost in the ether a little bit, probably for the best, frankly, for the Grizzlies and John Morant that this happened trade deadline week, and that's when it went out. But apparently, an associate of his and was involved in an altercation, and Morant himself to some degree with uh, Pacers personnel. They didn't say exactly who it was, whether it was players. I think, quite frankly, the reason it was said to be players, per, play, uh, Pacers personnel, was to add more anonymity, not just for sourcing purposes but actually because there was like a fear and supposedly their uh it's associated morant was drawing at pacers all game and then it continued into the tunnel they're separated by security and then uh, these pacers personnel claim that uh as an suv that morant was in pulled away that they saw basically like a red laser dot being pointed at them and the nba statement was oh we weren't able to substantiate what this was you know that that there was a gun involved and if you've never been in the bowels of an nba arena players have to go through a metal detector both for security reasons for you know just general security but also you know the gilbert arenas incident <laughs> was uh probably an impetus for these procedures being implemented but that takes place after guys get off the bus or after they come in from a parking lot and some marinas i haven't been to the one in memphis specifically but they're player parking and where the bus comes in like a, there is like some potential intermingling in those areas so it's certainly possible that someone could have just had a gun in their car uh there's no metal metal detectors there and also there's absolutely no way that the nba could have substantiated that potentially like oh we weren't able to, to substantiate it well if it was there you would have had no way to discover it so that's meaningless that they were unable to substantiate it that was a, another Mike Bass special. Mike Bass is just an absolute PR statement master. Uh, I, I enjoy dissecting uh, his work going back to the, the China days, uh, China crisis days. But regardless of whether it's a gun or not, like just having people from your family or, or your friends or whatever, getting into any kind of an altercation with players on the other team, it's just, it's completely unacceptable. Like, and I think this guy, this associate, I forgot his name, uh, has now been banned for a year and Zhao's complaining about it and saying like it wasn't substantiated. I mean, whatever, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but to even getting to the point where you're having like, you know, multiple confrontations with players on the other team, like you're not a player. <laughs> like just because you're related to a player, you're friends with the player, like you're just a fan. You are, you are subject to the exact same code of conduct that every other fan should be subject to just because you happen to be close friends with the player. Like you get a little bit of leeway, but like, you're not the show pal, like calm down. So, uh, this, this is, this is not great. And I mean, it doesn't seem like the story is going to go anywhere because it can't be further substantiated. Uh, I mean, it seems like there were multiple sources though, that say, said that uh, there was uh, something being pointed again, like it was a, a dark car, like you couldn't tell what it was. Uh, but you know, even pointing, uh, he just happened to have a fun laser pointer in the car that he, he was playing with his cat in the car. And then he decided to, to point it at him. Like seems uh seems unlikely turning to the miami heat kyle lowry is now going to be out through the all-star break um with knee soreness so i mean we'll see what his availability is after that and minnesota kyle anderson's been kind of in and out a little bit with back spasms i believe he is he is currently in the lineup for the wolves as of i think the last game i watched and then jordan mclaughlin who missed a long time with a left calf strain he is now back for the wolves as well yeah he's been back for like a 
a week here and then for okc uh lou dort is back as only played in their win against portland it was shay gilgis alexander put up just like one of the most awesome shot charts you're ever going to see for a guard he had 44 i think he was 13 to 17 from the field and basically like everything was right at the rim uh so dort Dort is back uh that's a big get for okc uh they got another great win at portland and uh, they also converted uh eugene omari off of a two-way deal you would imagine this is going to be the usual two-way deal conversion where everything is kind of non-guaranteed three four-year deal probably four years actually starting now hinky special type of thing i think it might be it will it'll be because he has another year of nba experience we'll see where the where the lines on that end up being because you might want to try to get restricted free agency in there somewhere then for the Orlando Magic, Chumo KK's back, which is good. Uh, he's been out since November 21st, had an arthroscopic procedure on his left knee, which had, of course, dealt with issues before. But good to see him back on the floor. I mean, for so going back to the Isaiah Thomas thing briefly, Maddish Bia told ESPN, day one, it's important to note that he's, our spokesman said, he's not going to respond to every tweet and leak, um, but he's not being hired in any formal way. We'll just, again, we'll just have to see where well, these well, things Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> like i think one good way to get the stain of potentially listening to isaiah thomas uh out of the way is to acquire kevin durant uh sure within 24 hours of that it might be dropping. the easiest way yeah and we've seen isaiah kind of try to hang around other new owners before uh you know I, I don't know how much to make of it i mean yeah i'm sure plenty of owners just like talk to random people outside the or- organization i don't know if uh thomas is going to rise the level of like consigliere but it, it is something to note certainly the idea that the Suns will likely be looking to supplement at least in some fashion to one of the sparser front offices in the league heading to the Spurs Trey Jones missed four games with left foot foot soreness he came back um and then he's now out again for it that's concerning that kind of timeline um and then Romeo Lankford has now missed nine straight with left adductor tightness Jeremy Sohan came back on Saturday uh he missed five straight with lower back soreness and he had a he had a pretty good game overall um we kind of watching it on the side they were actually close with the Hawks for a while Sohan ended with 18 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. All 18 in the first half, by the way. And only 21 minutes of action. Then for the Raptors, Gary Trent Jr. has a left calf strain. We do not know the severity, but he did Mm. not play on Sunday against the Pistons, a game that was close, but the Raptors did win. They're still without— You know what we say, if they probably a couple weeks uh, if a guy misses a game with a, a muscle strain. And I, I fear that you are correct. The Raptors are still without OG Ananobi. He has a still has that sprained left wrist. He has not been cleared for contact and is without a timetable. It has now been roughly two weeks since Ananobi played. And then they, I think Joe Wieskamp had signed a couple of 10 days. Um, he is now on a multi-season contract. We can expect that like the other things that will be non-guarantees or lightly guaranteed future years. For the Wiz, um, Kyle Kuzma has missed three games with a sprained ankle, sprained left ankle ankle um we don't yet have he's questionable for monday we'll see if he can be back and there are murmurs that will barton will get bought out but that buyout is not yet finalized all right well let's talk a little basketball we we got to see some new faces uh, in new places over the weekend Uh, let's begin oh actually 
yeah no i'll save some of this other tv stuff for another time i think um that's that's a more of a rainy day type of thing but i did actually briefly want to talk finish up on woge's piece on the cba negotiations and we were we did get to at least some of it in discussing that the upper spending limit was not really going to be on the table anymore and woge expanded on that because there were some smaller marketplaces that worried that the upper spending limit would fail to create the competitive parity the league is hoping to achieve and i I completely agree with them Uh, the concerns there are number one well-constructed smaller market teams might have to break up contending talent despite being willing to enter into the luxury tax uh because now of course if you all it costs you is money to retain uh, all the players you want to and uh so if you really want to do it it, you can and i mean i think for a lot of teams like you don't we've seen like a a number of small market contending teams like go into the tax too like the bucks for example right i mean you get a player like Giannis, you get the best player in team history and like you gotta you gotta go for it that point you could always save money later and like a team like the bucks if there were an upper spending limit they would probably have had to pair salary and that's it's not supposed to prevent the milwaukee bucks from going uh, spending too much money uh and, and then you also just get the idea if there are the upper spending limit of just that would presumably also be accompanied by less of a luxury tax penalty but it still would be you know that limit would be somewhere along the like that some teams could afford and others just couldn't and so then you would just see maybe with everybody spending up to that upper spending limit there would still be some teams that are more likely to be left behind and not compete so uh i I mean i think there are just a lot of concerns uh talks are focusing they said on keeping the elements of the system in place with the tax payments and Oh, oh, the other issue for the smaller market teams of, would, of course, that they wouldn't get the luxury tax payments anymore. So there would have had to be more revenue sharing instead. Um, so the talks are focusing on keeping those elements system and finding other ways to limit the mechanisms high spending teams use to retain and acquire talent. And, you know, that might be something along the lines of you can't add 125 percent in a trade. Maybe it's only 100 percent or or, or you, weaken, yeah. weakening the tax pyramid level. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. Or, or maybe it's just, hey, once you get to a certain point, you can only sign minimums or re-sign your own players and that's it or something like, like there, there's just kind of more supplementation along the lines of what came in in 2011 where they added the hard cap they added the uh hard cap with the sign and trade uh, as uh, and the hard cap with the full mid-level so that i mean i think i my opinion is that that's largely just worked as intended and that this is a uh solution in search of a problem because ooh, the warriors won last year I mean, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum um, the other things that they're thinking about doing is they want to find mechanisms to incentivize top players participating in more regular season games, uh, which the league believes is essential competition. Oh, sorry. Wow. It's so awkward. Well, if they feel them. it's essential competition, then just reduce the number of games in the season. <laughs> it's, a and, very, uh, it's a very easy choice. Yeah. So the concern is maximizing the league's looming media rights deals. And of course, we're, we're doing this. Dan has been tweeting this out. We, he did a post on it a couple weeks ago of this idea of the high quality matchup where... Uh, I mean, to me, when I'm just, I, I want to get excited about a regular season game, obviously I want to see two teams going hard, but it's like, but generally if it's like it, it, it's, one of the teams is missing one of their top two players, I'm like, all right, this isn't really like, this isn't really indicative of what's going to happen in the playoffs. Like it's just kind of, it, it's, you know, a Diet Coke game, basically. Like a team, it might be competitive. Teams might still be playing hard. The outcome may still be in doubt, but it's also, it's just not what these teams are supposed to be. And when you go from the average player playing, playing 75 games to the average, 
average player playing 65 games, then you go from maybe, you know, 65% of games being high quality matchups to like what we're seeing right now about 40 percent of games being high quality matchups uh yeah again with capitals on that that's the term we came up for it after much bouncing around of turns back and forth so dan's continuing to track that i think it's really interesting uh as time goes on but it's basically been hovering in that 38 to 40 percent range and it's just you know it's, it's pretty easy math right if each player is playing 65 games you know 65 uh out of 82 raised to the fourth power that's the percentage of games where you're going to have all, all, all four top players playing and that's you know, that's about 40 percent. it's not like only 40 percent of scheduled games having a team with each team having their two best players that's that's unacceptable that's really bad especially in a league that not only are individuals important but it's often marketed in at least partially individual oh, for context. sure for sure yeah and it's all about like i want to go see this guy yeah it's terrible yeah Oh, yeah. So let's talk about this Lakers and Warriors game from yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to focus on the Warriors part of it as much. What stood out to you about uh, the Lakers and this uh, new ecosystem they have? Obviously, LeBron didn't play. Bamba didn't play because he was finishing his suspension. But we did see Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, and D'Angelo Russell. The first guy who really stuck out to me was actually Jared Vanderbilt. Not a surprise. I've been a fan of his game for a really long time. Vanderbilt came off the bench, but really did make an impact. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and just 17 minutes of action. Had some nice hustle plays on both ends of the floor. And does some things that the Lakers really needed from like a complimentary player plays hard and and plays capable defense and I I thought that that he made a real difference for them yeah he provides some athleticism defensively on the perimeter but I thought his offensive rebounding it was the most interesting Darvin Ham was talking about how he is able to make plays uh, on the short roll as well as a decent passer I even hit one jumper as the shot clock was expiring as well that that's not necessarily a big part of his game but he can stay in the corner he shot a few for Utah um so yeah I I mean his uh, just overall athleticism was good we didn't see him with AD in the first half he did play with Davis in the second half for a little bit and and he was part of a, a nice third quarter that got the Lakers the lead and that they largely would not relinquish after that and yeah so i thought he looked good beasley just i mean his value is going to come from making shots he was his normal aggressive self just didn't ball didn't go in for him i'm not gonna think that that's the end of the world ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
And then Russell, a lot of pick and roll for him. Yeah, I didn't think he had the greatest game. It was a lot of just getting the tough mid-rangers. Uh, yeah, I'm still reminded that he has absolutely no right hand. He hit a couple of and ones. Uh, the defense was about as bad as ever. Uh, but I, the thing that we didn't get to see because LeBron wasn't playing was just him as a spot-up shooter. I think basically every single one of his shots came on the ball. So that it, it maybe wasn't as much of a litmus test of, of what he can do. And uh, after the game, Anthony Davis, Davis in his interview said you know me and Russell were just like literally the entire game trying to talk about our pick and roll chemistry and where we like the ball and how he likes the screen and all that so you know I think those guys uh they're they're gonna figure it out uh, to be a, a pretty solid combo and you would think obviously they'll go with him and Davis together when LeBron is on the bench yeah I would I would expect that as well and at times the Warriors did a good job attacking D'Angelo Russell defensively but I I thought especially in the early part of the game but then i thought they went away from it a little bit too much oh, and yeah. that that will be a lingering challenge for this lakers team but this was a very nice win for them i mean to to get one without lebron 26 and 31 and it's like and you never know who's gonna fall off like there there are teams that seem better positioned than the lakers but a getting a lot of other just functional depth uh, yes it came at the cost of first round pick but i think that helps them a lot in just the idea that even if i have teams higher that better than them in the pecking order they somebody's going to have something and and so if they could if the lakers can be marginally healthier than everybody else then this gets interesting i thought the lakers played a very good defensive game and like you said they probably should have gone at d'angelo russell more than they did uh, and probably should have used guards to use russell's man to screen for the likes of, of clay thompson and certainly the warriors did not shoot it while well. I mean, they were miserable from three i mean this version of the warriors when clay thompson and jordan Poole combined to go six out of 23 from downtown and the team is 12 of 44 i mean they're just not going to score against anybody uh, and you know draymond green was very good he was plus 10 in 34 minutes they lost by six uh davis for his part i thought was great defensively he, he acknowledged struggling but he said he wanted to get every rebound and block every shot he had two huge blocks uh, at the end one on a clay thompson fade away in the lane another on a divincenzo drive as the lakers really locked down in the last five minutes or so i think golden state went three four minutes without a field goal under five minutes to go and the lakers scheme it was it, they looked very bucks like uh both in terms of their perimeter defense austin reeves was fantastic just played physical irritating defense he got a flagrant foul defending jonathan kaminga just when he got into his airspace and kaminga elbowed him Kamingo, by the way, maybe he could just once not pump fake on a drive. Like he does it on literally every drive. It's like just jump over the guy. <laughs> like, like if he has like a pure runway with no one in front of him, he'll get up. But like anytime anyone's close, he'll pump fake. Uh, but yeah, like Reeves was great. In fact, the Lakers over the course of the game drew five fouls on illegal screens. Almost all of those on off-ball action. They just were physical. They stuck two guys and they forced illegal screens uh, to be and, called. And, Maybe the and yeah. I will note that at least for the most part, they seemed correctly called. Like there were a yeah. couple that were you know borderline e and always, especially because Warriors fans have a complex. I wonder how they could have that about the team 
not shooting that many free throws, even though they don't have that many guys that really draw them, is like, oh, they're calling for these offensive fouls. Like, a lot of them was like, yeah, the guy moved. Like, they violate the rules. And I wish referees called it more consistently because one of the big problems is consistency there. Where Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's one of these you can call holding on every play. Kind exactly. Of um, so that's that's something to yeah. and, and to be fair, I mean, the Lakers, like, that was just the key battleground of the game. So And the Lakers actually got called for holds off the ball a couple of times, too, got, uh, going around screens. But uh, they what they did is they just they were topsiding as much as possible. And then they just had AD standing under the basket. And when AD was in the game, Golden State like wasn't even looking at the rim. And they were probably right to because he was just and they put AD on Draymond Green, interestingly, even when he was playing with Looney. And, you know, Green was just kind of standing up top. He took a couple of threes, uh, had 10 assists. And, you know, Draymond was amazing defensively, I thought, uh, as well. I could just his ability to just force guys to miss around the rim and maybe he gets away with a little more contact with his chest but like he's not blocking hardly any shots anymore but he just like whenever someone goes up for a layup around him it's like it, they've got like a 40 percent chance of making it like even ad was like missing layups around it was incredible so um what did you how do you feel ad looked seeing him in person you know he's been back two and a half weeks or so here but he struggled statistically five and 19 uh only four free throw attempts 13 points very impactful defensively but not doing a lot on offensively like the ball wasn't in his hands very often you know got some got some attempts off offensive rebounds and that kind of stuff but it wasn't like the, he was really a hub for them and i mean especially building chemistry with daniel russell i didn't totally expect that but seemed a little bit off his game there offensively but then yeah obviously wonderful defensively oh actually can i make a or talk about ad and then i'll make a point about the warriors rotation yeah you just like he still is huge underneath he still is amazing timing as a shot blocker but just did not look particularly athletic uh you know i I think in some of the other games I've seen him too, just moving laterally, it, it hasn't been great either. And I, I think against this team, particularly with the way they played, very solid perimeter defense. I thought Dennis Schroeder uh, was awesome too in this one. He, he, he also had uh, 26 points and uh, he made three of the Lakers eight three-pointers <laughs> in this one also. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he still doesn't look quite right to me. He kind of looks like he did like right at the start of the year. Remember, he was like kind of struggling with his back and I was like, oh man, he looks terrible. And then basically right when lebron went down at, with after the two and eight start he just started going crazy and so maybe, maybe that can happen after the break he still was not named an all-star injury replacement we should probably say who those are actually since uh, uh that happened i don't think we've discussed it so it's Darren fox Pascal Siakam and Anthony Edwards. Yeah, and all of those guys that I think deserve a guy would have gotten Devin Booker in the West over Anthony Edwards. I mean, usually Adam Silver just takes whoever was next in the coaches voting. Booker was out of sight, out of mind with the groin issue. I still think he's just an an order above Anthony Edwards as a player overall, which is why I would have I would have picked him to be on my main team. Uh, but you know, Fox has been great. We'll talk about his fantastic game last night in a second. Uh, you know, he's been probably the best clutch player in the league and i think there's you know obviously none of those like ridiculous performances are sustainable i think there are some reasons why he has been so good um but yeah so they're i mean they're gonna need a better ad than this like yeah they got this win against the warriors part of it was the warriors just couldn't hit a three uh and their, their good shooters were off I mean, for golden state jordan Poole had what did it end up being like the first 17 of the fourth or something but then he just kind of ran out of gas as well it was just it was a very poolian performance uh just hot streaks but also just some maddening turnovers and and just couldn't hit threes overall you know, steve kerr is still kind of 
the lineups are a little weird like he has moments where he's playing ty jerome and pool and clay all together where you think like if you've got pool and clay out there and draymond as well like draymond's the other one too where it's like you might say oh like fine he doesn't like pool to be the point guard he needs someone to be the point guard but when draymond's in there as well like he's also the point guard so i think jerome defensively like it, there's i would have gotten divincenzo in that spot of the divincenzo at a, a a struggle in this one too um Oh, cool. actually, also, on, yeah. on the rotation thing, yeah. the other thing that I've, I've noticed, and um, you can see some of this in the lineup data, is that there was a stretch where the Warriors really couldn't defend, and both Looney and Draymond were out. And especially in games, which you could argue that Saturday was not one of them, where you don't intend for Kevon Looney to finish the game, he should be out there when Draymond is resting because you don't have a defensive backstop. Jermichael Green is looking better physically, and uh, he made one three, missed missed th- another three of yeah, them. Yeah, he, he's he sucks. On de- like he's right. gotten so, some big donks and he's made some threes lately, but if, he he's bad on defense. If you have two help defenders, then that should be particularly when Steph Curry is out. That should be a crux of your rotational theory is making sure that you have those two guys out. And like so, the Warriors overall, when Draymond and Looney have been off the floor, their defense has been terrible. And that isn't just the James Wiseman minutes; they've been terrible even in the minutes when Wiseman's been sitting. So some of that is opponent three point shooting luck, but a lot of it is just you know opponents are getting better better shots they're making better shots and everything else and danny uh, since you are the patron saint of running after makes uh, it must gall you that jordan pool uh, is doing what he's doing uh, in your town <laughs> yeah that's you know it's it, it him bringing the ball up the floor and taking roughly 15 seconds for anything to happen yeah I, I, it's literally like you think he's gonna get an eight second violation every time he brings it up when it's not just like an obvious fast break it's like you, especially for this team when you don't have steph curry you like to pass the ball work it around have have guys come off screens like you need every second you have like there's no reason to walk the ball up on the inbound and cross the, the timeline with 16.1 seconds on the shot clock I, it's just it's really like just jog the ball up the floor it's really weird um the starters for la i mean we could probably just talk a little bit about uh ham's rotation uh, as well it was uh davis at center hachimura and troy Brown jr as forwards and then schroeder and russell together It'll be interesting to see what they do when LeBron comes back. I think it'll probably be he would replace Troy Brown and they would have Hachimura. So that's a pretty big front line. Now, Hachimura did have seven defensive rebounds. He was notably absent as the Warriors and Andrew Wiggins were getting like every offensive rebound in a stretch late in the fourth, but just like couldn't convert because they kept just running into AD again and like passing out of it or getting blocked. But Hachimura is not an active defensive rebounder, but he is providing some scoring. Like his three-pointer, I thought he was pretty aggressive. He's still kind of line drives it but it's going in a little bit uh he actually had probably the two biggest shots of the game both of which were plays where either ad got stripped or a pass went through his hand and it just happened to go right to hachimura and he banged a couple of jumpers uh but yeah his mid-range game looks good like he just particularly when lebron is out he just adds an element of like all right this is somebody who can like get a shot off for us and it's not a terrible shot like they, they need that like they've they've been missing that a lot and i think just the addition by subtraction uh, of russell westbrook uh, on both ends just to be a more normal team now i would like to see reeves play more i'd like to see beasley play more when lebron is available but they really needed shooter's offense i mean shooter was arguably the best player on the floor last night so you can't complain about uh ham starting him and he also hit three of his four three-pointers i think ultimately shooter is you know a little bit too much of a ball stopper for the way these guys are going to want to play and you've also got russell as a ball stopper too and lebron like it just you beasley or reeves to me think it seems like they would be uh 
better fit and then Lonnie Walker you know he had this knee tendonitis he's come back and you know, it just seems like he's gonna be kind of more relegated to the fringes uh, after this like they just got a bunch of guys at his position uh and you know we'll see how Mo Bamba fits in as well he's got one more game left uh, on his suspension still will we see him play with Vanderbilt on the second unit like it seems like they intend to play him they played Gabriel 12 minutes uh in this game so I'm, I'm interested to see where Bamba fits in I mean I think he'll have a chance and they'll you know maybe they'll even try to play him next to AD uh, at, at times and have him space the floor and just get like a ton of rim protection like they kind of had some success with uh, two big lineups in the past obviously but it's also Mo Bamba is just a way worse player than basically everyone else we've been talking about in this mix except for maybe Gabriel anything else on this one or do you want to move to Mavericks Kings which I thought was a significantly more fun contest though more fun in some ways because the defenses were shaky yeah fortunately my eyes recovered uh, by the the end of this game after clawing them out during the Lakers Warriors game but yeah I mean this was the first game of Luka and Kyrie together Dallas with Kyrie had won their first two they beat the Clippers and then they won in Sacramento on Friday uh, and they had also previously beaten Dallas without Kyrie or Luka on Monday so they were on a three-game winning streak they I think this is the conclusion of a five-game trip and just your general thoughts on how this Mavs team looked. It will take some time for Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic to, and honestly for Jason Kidd to figure out their chemistry together. But you did get some moments where it's like, okay, like where where the the, the interplay was interesting. Like there was one late in the game. I think it was late in the fourth, not in overtime, where Luka was on he was on the right side of the floor and he got double teamed. Kyrie was one pass away, and Luka of course can make that pass. Kyrie takes a three it doesn't end up going in it's like oh yeah that's right if you have one of the best on-ball creators and you give him an advantage to work with that's going to be really dangerous it wasn't really created by Kyrie but something that stuck out to me was the first three minutes of the game Luka had two catch-and-shoot threes and I'm like damn I know he doesn't have many of those this year Luka Doncic has 16 catch-and-shoot threes on the season and he had two in the first three minutes though one of those was as a trail guy yeah and that's when you get another great player you have to be ready to shoot those shots he does have pretty deep range I would like to see him take more of that they've they've dabbled at times with him coming off off ball screens and trying to be a shooting threat but of course that hasn't really been it ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Now, 
They are missing. Tim Hardaway Jr. went out. I think he actually started this one. Their starters were... Their starters were... Yeah, it was Kyrie, Luka, Josh Green, Hardaway Jr., and Dwight Powell. Yeah, Hardaway Jr. was plus 10 in the first half, but then he injured a hamstring. We'll see uh, what his prognosis is. So Reggie Bullock came off the bench. He ended up playing 40 minutes. I mean, he's... I think they're just trying to preserve him a little bit before the playoffs, but like he and Josh Green are like the only guys with any kind of wing athleticism so i I think they're going to need to get a lot out of those dudes josh green 23 points five of eight from three uh in 40 minutes had some nice drives well it was was very interesting he actually he hit one big corner three in the fourth but he uh was passing up shots but he also was passing up shots to like gonna pass very quickly to the corner where it was a better shooter like Kyrie, but who just like wasn't as open as him so I, i don't know what to think of that i mean i think he's he's taking enough shots though uh, and he's also, if he has an opening, he's capable of driving and getting to the basket. So that that was uh, his development has been so important. Uh, still, we'll see whether we trust his shot. But he's been uh, aggressive enough for him to get up eight. That's that's plenty. The but they are. I mean, it was just amazing to think just like how thin and unathletic they are. They had you know, and maybe Moxie Kleba coming back will help that. But he's only capable of playing so many minutes. You know, they had to dig into the uh, Frank Nilakina, Theo Pinson, and Jaden hardy has some has had some moments this year but he's not somebody you want to trust in the playoffs and frankly like they got really outplayed by the kings in this game they just shot it really well from three most of the game and the Kings shot poorly and that's why well, uh that's why it was close on that front something that freaked me out about dallas's defense and beyond all of the other reasons i was freaked out about dallas's defense in this game was they forced exactly zero turnovers in the first half of this contest. Eventually, eventually they forced a few more, but Sacramento only turned it over on 6.4% of their possessions. That is hmm. one of the lower marks that you'll see. And there weren't a lot of plays that was like really like ball hawking or like deflections that didn't become steals. Like that's another thing that you could sometimes try. Like, I mean, Josh Green had a couple, but and, and Bullock had a couple. But like outside of that, it's going to be a problem for at least this iteration of the Magic, or sorry, Mavericks different team um and and but the bigger concern for that's part of what made this game so entertaining from like a fan perspective is both of these teams generated ridiculous amounts of dribble penetration and part of that De'Aaron Fox was awesome like we'll talk a lot about how great he played in this game but the Mavericks and Kings both have just so many really basic places to attack defensively and so both these teams were just getting good shots getting to places on the floor and then they, the defenses were helping aggressively, and so they were conceding really, really good looks. You think it's a problem that Dwight Powell is like the good defensive center for the Mavericks? I had this I had this funny moment very early in the game. Sabonis was was doing really, really well early. He did well overall before fouling out and in the late going. I think that was in overtime, actually. And I was just like, okay, like, Sabonis is killing them. And like, well, what's going to go on from here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, the only other guy they can really throw in here is JaVale. And JaVale's probably not going to do the greatest job on Sabonis. So, yeah, that the – I mean, I, they could try Christian Wood. That, that didn't work super well either. And so the amount of – ways that the Dallas Mavericks will let opponents eat is going to be incredible because there were times where the opponents were driving in so aggressively that I'm like this is like the Jazz last year except that they don't have Rudy Gobert (laughs) yeah it was it really it's so interesting that the Mavs uh, it's a great analogy quite frankly 
that they just don't have any kind of athleticism on the perimeter if, if they go up against a team that has some isolation ability i mean it's just going to be it'll be curtains because they, they just don't have that rim protection i mean one one way of putting just how ridiculous the shot chart was in this game sacramento had an above average effective field goal percentage and offensive rating despite shooting eight of 32 on threes and a part of that was that they never turned it over but another part of it is the the kings took 32 shots in the restricted area and then another 24 from floater range so in total they took 56 out of 100 shots in in the paint and then they only took they only took 12 mid-rangers overall so like if you think about the highest value stuff and then if you want to add in their 25 free throw attempts like the the kings were getting whatever they wanted yeah christian wood was uh one negative point of plus minus away from a portis with uh 15 points in 18 minutes three of six from three but i mean to score 15 points in 18 minutes and still be negative nine and only get 18 minutes it's like it's pretty telling um you know they went to pile down the stretch javel didn't really play much in in the second half and pick and roll like De'Aaron fox was just tearing him apart uh, and you know obviously as part of that's the on-ball stuff too but fox i mean he he's just has one of the most improved mid-range jumpers in the league this year that's why he's been so effective in the clutches because he can get to that shot against most guys very easily and i mean it's, it's just it's tough for powell particularly when he doesn't have the length he's as he tries to meet fox you know because you, you can't just lay back he'll just shoot that mid-range ranger coming off the screen he's also worried though that fox with his elite athleticism is going to blow by him so he and powell doesn't have elite athleticism he's never been a great rim protector so he's worried like oh man i gotta lay off a little bit to kind of track back and then fox will take like one step get Powell going backwards and then just shoot the wide open mid-ranger every time or he's can just break his ankle if they switch he can just break his ankles the crossover and and get a wide open mid-ranger I mean that's been like a 50% shot for De'Aaron Fox this year and more than that in the clutch and the only thing that they really had much success with which is a kid staple was the switch double and it, it was interesting once the the Mavs tied the game and we'll get to the Mavs this was a good aspect of their late game strategy there are other aspects that were bad they Fox comes down with I think it was like about seven seconds left gets the switch of Dwight Powell and then Sean Sweeney they're defending in front of the Mavericks bench you could see him yelling I think it was for uh block to go and double and that actually worked like they he sent the double team with like two seconds left so it was perfect there was he was able to affect him but there wasn't enough time to make a pass and Fox like bricked a, a difficult three uh descended into into overtime but uh, i mean this was pretty incredible for and the mavericks should have won this game probably they definitely should have had the last shot of regulation but jason kidd made the same mistake twice it was incredible yeah i mean the understanding the like it's super bowl sunday the down and distance of you know you have the ball with 37 seconds left and you don't figure out a way that you get two shots and they get one they had two timeouts left right they never ended up using any of them so so they're uh Sabonis ties the game at 114 on a putback yeah yeah on a, a putback after a De'Aaron Fox miss layup uh and then this is after Dwight Powell made a couple of free throws on a foul by Sabonis there was also a terrible another terrible late game just throw your go ahead throw your vote away vote for Kodos challenge by Mike Brown Oof. where it, it was just like 
he's this is the second time he's done that the first time it cost them a timeout when they could have advanced the ball with like three seconds left in a game to still have a chance uh this time he uses one of his two timeouts there was a a clear foul uh where they held Dwight Powell running rolling to the run I think it was Terrence Davis with under two minutes to go and the referee he was so pissed off at the challenge he was like as a result of clear and convincing evidence that Dwight Powell was held by Terrence Davis uh, the challenge is like so if I never heard a referee like get that be like that unequivocal about it like clear and convincing that's more like a football term anyway yeah because it was yeah. it was clear and convincing to uphold the call which isn't the threshold yeah yeah so so in any event uh yeah Mavs tied at 114 37 seconds left after a make by the the kings like you have to call timeout in that situation and make sure you get the two for one uh and then 41 seconds left in the ot down four maybe an even more important time to make sure you get the two for one because you need to get uh two shots at it and not to avoid having a foul Kyrie hits a three to cut it to one but it's with 24 seconds left then they have to play the foul game and they had to take a desperation three by luca good defense by uh fox uh, switched onto him on the step back to force a miss but it was just uh again like just shooting themselves in the foot like they had two timeouts left in both of these situations it is definitely Definitely something that will that will linger with us over the course of this you know like jason kidd is a better coach now than he was previously that does not mean he is a perfect tactician improvement improvement is improvement but improvement is not perfection and the thing that was closest to perfection in this game was De'Aaron fox fox had 12 points in the fourth quarter and then had another 14 in the overtime some of that yeah, was fouling. I, I think the record at least i don't know if this is includes regular season but it might be for uh was is 17 points in overtime by steph curry in his return game back in the 2016 playoffs against portland so this is like close to one of the best overtime scoring binges that anyone's had it was a phenomenal performance fox was getting and, and sabonis had fouled out too right. and that was the other thing like he he was fox was really carrying them they put they put in trey lyles uh, at the very end i mean sabonis sabonis yeah. played most of the overtime and then he fouled out yeah. i think it was like a minute and a half left and okay yeah yeah fox was yeah getting into the teeth of the defense was he was making passes when he needed to but normally he was getting to his own shot and getting fa- or, or getting fouled and it looked great for him the the pace that he provided for the Kings in transition was also important and I, I thought there were there were points late in regulation but especially in overtime where everyone else you could see their tired legs and then De'Aaron Fox is just popping all around the floor and so he was absolutely massive I, I would say as great as Sabonis played at times Fox was by far the reason like the reason they won this game and you know fun to do that right after you get named as a as a replacement in the all-star in the all-star game and that was you know, it was great to see yeah and I think like a, a lot of Kings fans were annoyed at least uh, about you know uh, Fox not being on our all-star picks but like he was right there for me I mean it was like splitting hairs uh, for me with like he was definitely a, he's playing at an all-star level like I have no bones about that I just felt like it was a, a really difficult year to try to to try to pick him and, and and he's been outstanding um what did you make of the Kyrie Luca interplay particularly late uh it <laughs> it seemed a little it seemed a little more your turn my turn than I would love but that is a natural place to start and it did seem generally like Luca had had a little bit more late than he has like he's had some of these really frustrating late game performances probably because he's shouldering such a burden but there wasn't much collaboration i'll put it that way 
you know, I, I thought there were some good signs, but also just some things that they really needed to clean up. I and mean, the biggest thing, the two criticisms I had was it, it seemed like, I mean, because this is also, let's remember Luca's first game back with the heel issue. Uh, like, it seemed like Kyrie was getting easier penetration. You know, I think maybe they should have tried to run a little bit more through him. Now, Jason Kidd, of course, said, hey, this is Luca's team. And that's obvious. But particularly in, in the first game back for Luca and for him to play, be playing 41 minutes, like he was, it seemed like he was huffing and puffing a little bit by the end and uh, you know didn't have his usual distribution game I thought uh and Kyrie I thought just looked more dynamic uh, as a driver so that was one and there was just a period particularly late in regulation and early in overtime where everything was going through Luca and like they're trying to like post up Luca on switches and stuff and it, it was just and Kyrie deferred to him a little bit too you know they're always going to see that on a, on a new team so uh but it seemed like they were going a little bit too slow there a little too Luca heavy and then the other problem was the Kings were doubling Luca off the pick and roll and he was just starting too late uh, again I think in part because he wasn't you know was huffing and puffing a little bit that'll happen at the end of games for him anyway but particularly after an injury absence like this and so there are a couple of notable possessions one they eventually are able to swing it to Kyrie against a scrambled defense but there wasn't enough time in the shot clock he, he drove and and the shot clock expired then the second time he hit a shot but it was as the shot clock was expiring so i just especially if you know that they're putting two on the ball like just start that pick and roll early and just note that like yeah we'll get it to, to dwight powell on the roll and then just swing it to the other side and let's let Kyrie attack uh, against a defense uh, that's out of position and so i, I think they just they, now that you have this other threat luca needs to acknowledge that he can get off the ball earlier and not be concerned that like he has to make like the play you know he can now make the play that leads to two more passes and then it doesn't have to be like a wide open shot that Luca is passing into right away that's a really good point and it, it is an adjustment and I actually thought that going back a little while that was I, I did a whole section on that Mavs Raptors game months ago where they were doubling aggressively and they were attacking a little bit earlier some of that's on Luca some of it's on Jason Kidd they need to do they need to do better um one stray thought I had it was it, there was a point I think it was in the maybe it was the late third early fourth and I'm just like oh yeah Davion Mitchell like and Mitchell had some real bright points last year he's only playing 18 minutes a game this year the Kings are doing much better which is great 54 percent true shooting on 14.5 usage in his uh, age I mean at least he's 54 percent true shooting I think yeah, that's an improvement that part's better. from where he was but and yeah attempting less than one free throw per 36 minutes yeah, and his jumper looked a, a little stilted, uh, the sure. couple that he took. And this one, Terrence Davis was really good, though. He Great. actually ended up closing the game in favor of Kyler Murray, who was uh, relatively unheard. One of five, all five of his attempts were threes. And Terrence Davis was uh, 22 points, 10 of 17, although he, he didn't do a ton offensively late, but he was out there. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought he was it, it provided a little bit more perimeter defense maybe than uh, Murray would have if they were going to have Bar Barnes guarding Luca, you know, uh, Davis could have been the, the guy in Korea. And I thought Fox actually was solid defensively in this game, and uh, particularly that last second defense on the Luca tying three. You know, he, he did not get lit up the way you've kind of seen it in previous seasons. All right, we're done here? I think we are. All right, uh, we will be back. Probably get you one more episode uh, before the break, I think. And, you know, then we'll be back in a midweek after the break is over. And looking forward to recharging a little bit and then coming back strong for uh, the rest of the season talk to y'all soon we hope you enjoyed that episode if you'd like more of that you can subscribe to dunked on prime with our trade deadline sale today is the last day to take advantage of the trade deadline sale 
dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.